Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship, and also those who are with us remotely via the live stream. As we open God's word this morning, may we all be comforted and encouraged as we consider God's righteousness and mercy and hear the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. May God be praised and glorified through our worship. This morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Van Yacht, Emeritus Minister from the Free Reformed Church of Byford. Before we begin, let us sing together hymn 46, verse 1 and 3. After photo salutation, we will sing Psalm 94, the verses 1 and 5. Lift up your hearts unto God. As congregation, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and he was us to come, and from seven spirits are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen.
we now with all respect put ourselves on the discipline of the holy law of the Lord and let us test our lives on it as on the rule of thankfulness and after the reading of the law we respond sing Psalm 94 the verses 7 and 11 God speaks all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage you shall have no other gods before me you shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's.
I'm leaking prayer. Almighty God, kings of kings and lord of lords, we love to worship you. And we can truly say that we delight in you. Because when we are honest, and we have to be, there was a time when we were afraid of you, O oh God, with the fear of bondage. Just the thought of your omnipresence was rather horrible to us. We could go nowhere to flee from your presence, and you were aware of all our sins. Also, those other people couldn't even see. But it has changed. For now it is our heartful desire to find you, and we have found you through the interference of your only begotten Son. Thanks to him we became aware of your presence. And every second of our life we know that you are there. Our sick bed is even soft when you are there. The often of our suffering grows cold when you are there. Yes, our house of prayer is nothing less than your house when you are there. And we know our prayer is even our gate of heaven. Come close, Heavenly Father. Yes, come very near to your children. Some of us are very weak in body and exhausted in heart. Therefore, lay your right hand upon us and say to us, Fear not, children. And you know, the world is attractive to us, and therefore come near to us and kill the influence of the world with your superior power. Lord Jesus, take from us now everything that would hinder the closest communion with you. Any wish or desire that might hamper us in prayer, remove, we pray you. Any memory of either sorrow or care that might hinder the fixing of our affection completely on you, take it away now. What have we to do with idols anymore? You have seen and observed us. You know where the difficulty lies. Help us against it. And we may now come boldly, not into your holy place alone, but into the holiest of all, where we should not dare to come if our great Lord had not torn apart the veil, sprinkled your mercy seat with his own blood, and opened the door for us to enter. Thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ, we may talk to you as a man speaks with his friends. Our Heavenly Father, we are yours, 
you are ours. We are now busy in one business and you are leagued together for one battle. Your battle is our battle and our fight is yours. Help us, we pray you. We are very weak. And worst of all, we are very wicked if left to ourselves and we soon fall a prey to the enemy. Therefore, help us, sanctify us, O oh, gaze that your spirit might come and saturate every faculty, subdue every passion, and use every power of our nature for our obedience to you. Come, Holy Spirit, take possession of us. Our prayer is for perfect holiness, complete consecration, entire cleansing from evil will, every will, evil. Thank our heart, our head, our hands, our feet, and use us all for you. Lord, take our talent. Let us not try to educate ourselves that we have the status of being wise, but let every gain be that we may serve you better. And may every breath be for you. May every minute be spent for you. May we sanctify the world for your service. May we lamps of salt in the midst of our society. May our spirit and temper as well as our conversation be heavenly. And you know, Lord, we need the gospel and a listening ear to what you have to tell us. And for this reason, bless the preaching of the gospel in such a way that we become more eager to serve you with all our hearts, souls, and minds. We thank you for the possibilities we have to receive faithful ministers at the training of them at the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. In the past week, we received the sad news that the former dogmatics professor, doctor, and head coaches had passed away. We thank you for all he could do also in training our ministers in the reformed doctrine of scripture. Comfort his wife, family, and all directly affected by his passing away, so that all may see up to you in the sure knowledge that those who passed away in Christ are with you in heaven, waiting to be reunited with their bodies on the new earth. The mission work in this world, and especially the work in PNG, we are involved in is close to our hearts and minds. Be with the national pastors, that they may continue to preach your word according to your will, and surround the missionaries, Reverend the Younger, Reverend Paul, and their families with your care, so that many may come to join your church. And now that we may have your ear, Lord, we will pray for this poor world in which we live. We are often horrified by it, O oh Lord. We could wish that we did not know anything about it for our own comfort. We hear of oppression and robbery and murder. Men seem less loose against each other. Lord, have mercy upon this great and wicked world. May none of us contribute to the evil directly or indirectly, but may we contribute to the good that is in it. Strengthen the government and make them willing to govern according to your word and make them willing to protect life, even unborn life. 
when your servant Abram stood before you and spoke with such wonderful familiarity to you, he pleaded for Sodom. And in a similar way, we plead for Shazan River, Perth. Yes, we follow the example of the father of the faithful and pray for all the great cities. Yes, for all the nations. Lord, let your kingdom come. Change the old dragon from his throne with all his hellish crew. In our prayer that the day might come when even here on earth the Son of Man will rule the nations, not with a broken staff of wood, but with an everlasting scepter of iron, full of mercy, but full of power, full of grace, but yet irresistible. Oh, that that day may come soon, the personal advent of our Lord. We long for the day of his appearance. We lift our voice to you in prayer also for all our dear ones. Lord, bless the sick and make them well as soon as it is right they should be. Sanctify to them all they have to bear. Quite a few are under doctor's care. There are also dear brothers and sisters are very weak. Some are that very trembling. God bless them. While the tent here on earth is being taken down, May the inhabitant within look on with calm joy, for your children will be closed with our house that is from heaven. And in this life we may experience many wonderful things. It is an amazing proof of your love and care that coming Wednesday our brother and sister Geert and Dini Spiker may celebrate their sixtieth year of being together in holy wedlock. Yes, it is a great to experience that your steadfast love endures forever. And we give thanks to you for your wonderful care, and we ask you to surround them with your love and care in the time to come. You have given our retired minister, Reverend Feldman, a new year of life and health. Give him and his wife everything necessary to serve you and trusting in your guidance and bring them safely back. Now they are on holidays in Europe. Lord, help us to sit very loose by all the things here below on earth. May we live here like strangers and make the world not a house but an inn in which we lodge, expecting to be on our journey tomorrow. Lord, save the unconverted. And bring out, we pray you, from among them those who are converted, but who have not confessed Christ. May the church be built up by many who, having believed, are baptized into, unto your sacred name. We pray you to go on and multiply the faithful in our country and around the world. There are so many who depart from their faith. Bring them back. And we bring our prayer before your mercy seat and ask you to take it to heart in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. This morning we will read from Scripture from Deuteronomy 7 and we'll read the verses 1 to 11. 
And after that, we will sing from Psalm 78, the verses 1 to 22, 23, and 26. Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgasites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you, and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they will turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their, their pillars and chop down their ashram and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and has chosen you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his covenant commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their faith those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Till so far the reading of scripture.
Then we will read our text for this morning in the book of Judges, Judges 3, verse 5 to 11. The Lord had brought the Israelites into the promised land and then Judges continues, verse 5. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites and their daughters they took to themselves for wives and their own daughters they gave to their sons. And they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherah. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishatayim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishatayim eight years. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Gushan Rishatayim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishatayim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, Psalm 62, the verses 1 and 3. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a young British lady of 20 years old had to go to jail. She drove her woman next door crazy with her noise. She played the same record in full volume, six weeks running. It is clear that it is better to have a pleasant contact with your neighbor. As the verb goes, a good neighbor is worth more than a far friend. However, it is also possible that a too close contact with your neighbors causes a lot of trouble. 
And that happens in our spiritual life as well. A good spiritual contact can be very beneficial. But as soon as there is a good neighbor policy in spiritual matters with the unbelievers, it goes wrong. Sometimes Satan comes as a lion to devour, but often he comes as a serpent to deceive. And we see that in our text. The Israelites adopted a good neighbor policy in their spiritual life. Everything seemed to go very smoothly, but through their good neighbor policy, they got into a fix. And this eventually defeated Israel from within. We hear at last that the Israelites forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. Israel got into trouble. And for that reason, the Lord raised up Othniel. And in him, we will see the power of God in the deliverance of his people. And in that way, I may summarize the message of this passage in Scripture. In the judge Othniel, we see the power of God in the deliverance of his people. And we see God's righteousness towards his people and God's mercy towards his people. In summary, in the judge Othniel, we see the power of God in the deliverance of his people. And as the first aspect, we will see God's righteousness towards his people. And a second aspect, God's mercy towards his people. As I have already said, a good neighbor is worth more than a far friend. We like it when we have good neighbors. It can be very helpful. And for the same reason, our government has a kind of good neighbor policy in contact with some of the Asian countries. It is good to be at peace with our neighbor. But in church, it has to be different. As soon as there is a good neighbor policy in spiritual things, with unbelievers, it goes wrong. In our text, we hear about the good neighbor policy of the surviving nations in the promised land adopted towards Israel. And it is clear, sometimes Satan comes as a roaring lion to devour, but often he comes as a slimy serpent to deceive. And that happened in our text. The Israelites adopted a good neighbor policy as well. Everything seemed to go very smoothly. But through their good neighbor policy, they got into a fix. And that eventually defeated Israel from within. At least we hear that the Israelites forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asheroth. How is it possible, you will wonder? They forgot the Lord their God. And this is said about the first generation after the death of Joshua and the elders who outlived Joshua. This is said about the children and grandchildren of the first generation. The children who have witnessed the entrance into the promised land... 
the initial deeds of the Lord to deliver his people and defeat his enemies, they knew everything by experience. And yet, it is said that they forgot the Lord their gods. It is, of course, not difficult to understand that this has nothing to do with the shortage of memories. We find the same in our days. Think of our Anzac Day. You know, it is a day of remembrance. And you will see it time and again, the words, lest we forget. But that does not mean that we just have to know some dates or the names of the killed soldiers. Lest we forget, that means we have to do something with our knowledge. We have to act accordingly. Related to Anzac Day, it means we have to preserve the liberty we in Australia have. Well then, when we hear in scripture that the people of Israel forgot the Lord their God, it has always something to do with their daily behavior, the acts of God's people. It means that the people, God's people, displayed an active aversion to the Lord and his commandments. Listen, for instance, to this warning in Scripture. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. God's people forgot the Lord. They did not reckon with him. They went their own way. They did not care about the Lord. And this became obvious in their daily walk of life. The Israelites started to serve the Baals and Asherahs. How did it come that far, you wonder? Well, when you marry outside the will of God, you have to do something to keep peace in the family. And that happened in Israel. The immediate cause to worship these pagan idols was their daughters the Israelites took to themselves for wives and their own daughters they gave to their sons and they served their gods. Behind their idolatry were what we could, would call the mixed marriages among the Israelites. And I will elaborate on this subject somewhat because sometimes I got the impression that people with, will misinterpret this. From different sides I've heard a complaint from people who joined the church through marriage or whatever that they have the feeling that they are treated as a kind of second class church members even after years. And if this would happen it would be very sad. In the church there is no distinction between first class and second class members. For instance, the first class members are the early migrants who have won their spurs in their struggle for church and school and second class people that are the people who join the church later on. It's rather the other way around. Those members of the body which seems to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the congregation which we think to be less, less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. 
and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no needs. But God composed the body, having greater, greater honor to that part which lacks it, and there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 12. And perhaps I have to mention some names of sisters and brothers to make my point. The first I will mention Ruth. You know, a lot went wrong. Her parents-in-law were not allowed to move to Moab, the heathen country. Malan was not allowed to marry Ruth, the Moabite. And that is true. But I'm also aware of her beautiful profession of faith. And she says to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if everything but death pass me from you. And we are pleased when we read in scripture about Ruth's actions. Of course, she had to learn a lot with regard to the commandments of the Lord and the customs of the church. But faithfully she went her way. And she has been accepted by God and therefore accepted in the church as well. Isn't it great to have such a smart and God-feeling woman in our midst? I can also mention Rahab, the former whore. Or Paul, the former persecutor of the church. This is where it is joyfully spoken about in Psalm 87. Glorious things of use are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. This one has and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. It is a blessing of the Lord to have those men and women in church. Men and women with a completely different background, but who are accepted by God and feel themselves accepted by God's people. But in the book of Judges, he's spoken about a totally different situation. The Israelites have their mixed marriages, and as a result, they serve their idols. Again, this the Lord warns us in Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to possess, and clears away many nations before you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons and taking their daughters for your sons, for they will turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods, then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. Why? Well, the Lord has a suit against the heathen nations in Canaan. Remember what the Lord had said to Abram. 
your descendants will be strangers in Egypt, and they will be there for hundred years. <clears throat> in the fourth generation, your descendants shall return to the promised land, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Genesis 15. Thus, when Israel entered the promised land, the iniquity of the nations is complete. And for that reason, the Lord gave the mandate to destroy the nations in Canaan. Their sinfulness was an act of blatant rebellion against the Lord. They continually committed acts of disobedience. The Lord showed his righteousness, his justice, by which he punishes the guilty. The judge of all the earth must do right, we hear in scripture. The Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gilgazites, the Hiphites, they are all sons of Canaan, the sons of Han, the sons of Noah. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has to show it to them. Those people are without excuse. For since the creation of the world, the Lord's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. The Lord always acts according to his words. And therefore he showed his righteousness towards the nation of Can nations of Canaan. He gave the mandate to destroy them. But still, he left the heathen nations in the promised land for a while to put his own people to the test. The Lord wanted to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord. But then the outcome is clear. God still didn't fail the test. Israel of the second generation after Joshua was not willing to carry out the mandate as instruments in the hand of the Lord. On the contrary, they became related to the heathen nations by marriage. And the warning of the Lord came true. They accepted their idols as well. God had put a wall between his people and their neighbors. He did this not because Israel was better than any other nation, but because she was different. They were set apart. A holy people to the Lord, our God. And through this holy people, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. However, instead of being obedient, God's people accepted a good neighbor policy. They broke down the wall of separation between themselves and their godless neighbors. And the results were tragic. Men of the church married pagan wives, and women in the church married pagan husbands. And when you marry outside the will of God, you have to do something to keep peace in the family. When there is no godliness, the antithesis will disappear shortly, and the pagan gods are happily embraced after a while. And you can say the same with the words of the Apostle Paul. 
Do not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling make among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the midst, their midst and be separated from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, says Paul, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. You can read it in 2 Corinthians 6. No, the problem doesn't start when the people from outside faithfully join the church and try to be faithful in the service of the Lord. The problem starts there where people in church come to a compromise with the world. People who try to import idols of modern paganism. Boys and girls, men and women, who are guided by ungodly motives in their choice of marriage. The outward appearance and the butterflies in their stomach are more important than their choice of marriage, in their choice of marriage than godliness and faith. God's children who are led by wrong priorities. And parents who show a mentally Mentality like Eli, who did not restrain his children. Those people are in the danger area of going astray and are instruments of Satan to deceive God's children. Where godliness fails, the pagan gods, the filthiness of the flesh and spirit are happily embraced. And this happened in Israel. Is it then any wonder that God became angry? Is it any wonder that the Lord humiliated Israel by using pagan nations to discipline his own people? Since Israel was acting like the pagans, God had to treat them like pagans. Not in unrighteousness. He is the righteous one. And he always acts according to his words. With the merciful, you, Lord, show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. Psalm 18. And therefore, because the Lord is righteous... The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sought them into the hand of Cush and Rishatayim, king of Mesopotamia. And four times in the book of Judges, 
We are told that God sold his people to the enemy. And now his people acted like slaves of sin. God sold them like slaves in the house of bondage. Had his children be faithful to the Lord, it would be the other way around. The Lord would have sold their enemies into Israel's hands. But now the Lord sold his children to Cushan Rishatayim, the king of Mesopotamia. We know less about this king. Much about him is a mystery. Mesopotamia was probably his place of origin. And Cushan was, in all likelihood, a leader of a band of people called the Abairu who swept in from the east and became a powerful force in the Middle East. Whatever his origin, Cushion kept the Israelites in bondage for eight years, and his hand was heavy upon Israel. It is such a pity that they haven't translated the name of this king in proper English. We are familiar with this name, Kushan Rishetayim. But that name says nothing to us. In Hebrew, there's difference. For the second part of that name means double wicked. Therefore, we have to call this king the double wicked Kushan. And in his nickname, we hear about the severity of God's punishment. It is the same what we hear in Isaiah that Israel has received from the Lord's hand double for all their sins. Or what we hear from Jeremiah that the Lord will doubly repay their iniquities and their sins because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. Like a thief has to pay back double, Israel will receive the punishment in full. For God's justice requires that sin committed against the most high majesty of God also be punished with the most severe punishments. Think of Lord's Day 4. Thanks to God's righteousness towards his people. God's people shall be redeemed with justice and those in her who repent by righteousness the back payment for the oppression of the doubled wicked cushion has been that hard that the people of God started to cry out to the Lord. They can't bear the just judgment of God. And by the time we have finished judges, we will be thoroughly sick of the cycle of sin. We know Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. We cannot be saved by works of righteousness which we have done. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. The righteousness of God towards his people through faith in Jesus Christ. God manifested his justice against his son when he laid our iniquity on him. The sanctification 
righteousness and holiness of Christ is our righteousness before God. And I can receive this righteousness and make it my own by faith only. The just shall live by faith. And therefore, my brother and sister, cling to Christ. In him, the righteousness of God has been revealed. In him only you will flee from the wrath to come. For he warns us against having a good neighbor policy with sin. He calls us to come out of the great Babylon, the dwelling place of demons and sins. Come out of the great Babylon, for her sins has reached the heaven, and God has remembered iniquities. He will repay her double according to her sinful works. Therefore her punishment will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. She will be utterly burnt with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Revelation 18. Lest we forget, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And this brings us to the second aspect. In God's punishment is always an aspect of grace. He will bring his people to repentance. In his righteousness, the Lord will give his people what he has promised. And therefore, the Lord shows his righteousness not only in his wrath against the sins of his people, the Lord also shows his righteousness in the forgiveness of sins. God's mercy towards his people is not contrary to his righteousness. God's mercy is a sign of God's righteousness. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness. The Lord punishes his people with the purpose to bring them to repentance. By means of the double wicked cushion, the Lord demonstrates his great love in calling his people back to himself. But it still took eight years before the people of Israel turned to the Lord. No, there is no evidence that the people repented of their sins when they cried out to God for help. But the Lord heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. God identified with their trials, and felt concern for their welfare. The Lord responded to their plight, and he gave them a deliverer. The deliverer he raised up was Othniel. Well... That's strange. There is something very strange in his choice of Othniel. We would never do this. Just imagine there is someone who will fight with me. And I know that my enemy is stronger than me. Would you ask them, for instance, my younger brother to help me? Of course not. He is too young and too weak. I would ask one of the older and stronger brothers. 
and together then we are strong enough to defeat our enemy. That is the way people will try to defeat an enemy. But what did God do? He acted in a completely different way. He raised up a deliverer. He gave Othniel as Israel's deliverer. But Othniel was not the oldest, the strongest brother. Othniel was the son of Kenaz. He was Caleb's younger brother. And we know from scripture that the younger brother had the less influential and privileged position. With Othniel as their deliverer, we would assume that there is less chance to defeat the double wicked enemy cushion. But the Lord chose him to be the deliverer of Israel. And what happened? Amazingly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and judged he judged Israel. And the Lord delivered the double wicked King Cushion into his hands. His hand prevailed over the wicked cushion. And you wonder, why did the Lord do this in this way? That he has chosen the youngest, the weakest, the less influential as a deliverer of Israel? Well, now nobody can say in the future, I have delivered the people of God. The people of Israel has to be grateful to me. No, salvation belongs to the Lord only. I will not trust in my bow, nor shall I, my muscles save me. The Lord has saved us from our enemies, and the Lord has put to shame those who hate me. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel and empowered him for the battle. Othniel. His name means the power of God. He is the personification of the power of God in the deliverance of God's people. And the people of Israel had rest for 40 years. It became true that God's children has another secret to defeat the enemies. Not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Othniel, the power of God in the deliverance of his people. On Anzac Day, the veterans and soldiers parade through the streets of Perth to show their strength and to boast about Gallipoli and the fighting spirit and courage of the Aussies in the Korean War. But in the church... And in the spiritual war applies a different law. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit. In the time of the judges, in our time, the Spirit of God will do it. The Lord will give the victory. The Lord says, you are not dependent on your own strength. I do not work by the people with the biggest mouth. I do not work by the biggest amount of people of money. I will do it myself, saith the Lord. I will preserve my church by my spirit. When my spirit is not there, then you can do what you want. And you can organize what you want. But it will not work. 
But when the Lord is working with his spirit, then everybody will be surprised what will happen. The judge Othniel, the spirit of God came upon him. And the church had rest for 40 years only. In this way, the Lord will show his mercy in the deliverance of the church. Because we hear about Christ as the servant of God. And the Spirit of God was upon him. He did not appear with enormous propaganda, impressive numbers, or a big mouth. No, I have put my Spirit upon him, says the Lord. And he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Think of, think of our Lord Jesus Christ before Pilate. When he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. And therefore, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And therefore God has chosen the foolish things of this world, the weak things, the base things, and the things that are despised. He has chosen you and me. He has chosen the church to put to shame the things which are mighty. He has not chosen many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, so that no flesh should glory in God's presence. Not by might, not by power, but Othniel, by the power of God. Othniel, when I'm weak, then I'm strong by the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. And therefore, he who glories, let him glory, not in his own strength, but let him glory in the Lord. Amen.
Let's thank the Lord. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you have given our Lord Jesus Christ and that he is our strength in everything. That it is possible to put our faith on him. For he carried your judgment over our sins. And now we are free. And we are able to serve you in obedience. Therefore we ask you, work with your spirit in our hearts. So that we are not seeking the things of this world. But that we keep distance and have not a good neighbor policy with Satan and his followers, but that we serve you together as the body of Christ. Help us to rely on you in everything that we do not fear, but that we are sure that you will give whatever necessary in whatever situation Lord, we are thankful that we have the example of the Israelites. Yes, we know the unfaithful Israelites. But also that you hear their, heard their prayer and that you came as help to save your people. And thanks to you, we may look up to Jesus Christ, our Savior, and expect everything out of his hands. Give us this firm confidence and help us to follow your directions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have now the opportunity to set your gifts apart for the mission work in PNG. And after that, we will sing as our closing song, hymn, uh, sorry, Psalm 62. The verses 4 and 6.
Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord, and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.